Welcome to No Room for Phonies, the summertime outdoor version. Um, I'm back with Charles and we are talking, we are starting the education series that I'm going to do throughout the summer and probably into September. I'm thinking two, four, six, eight, maybe even 10 weeks of topics on education. Uh, everything from what you should see in your child's classroom to how to read a report card to all kinds of um, stuff that will how to prepare your child, you know, after the pandemic, what to look for, um, everything, even into some curriculum and instructional things that um, you can request. So you're going to hear some birds chirping in the background. And Maybe an airplane. An airplane, but um, I think you should be able to hear us all the way. So this topic uh, today is what do you want for your child when you send them to school? Because I think for any parent, no matter what grade their child is starting, no matter where they're at, I'm sure in your head you have some idea of what you want for them um, when they go to school. And if, if you don't, maybe this will Inspired. give you some ideas. And this is not just kindergarten. This no. is any grade or the transition to middle school or high school. Yeah, uh, whatever. it's just the beginning of every year. What should you, What where are you at as far well, as what you're... For us, New Year's was more like Labor Day weekend than mm-hmm. January 1st because yeah. we all started our school, school years. Right? <laughs> So what do you want for your child when you send them to school? This is the um, education series, part one. Uh, But I am just going to mention that the cocktail of the month is the sangria. Nice. I haven't made any yet, but we had some with friends here that were from one of the liquor store um, bottles of pre-mixed ones, and it was pretty good. But I will share a recipe uh, for sangria. I'll put it out online and... I mean, there are so many modifications on the sangria recipe. Like, well, is it originally from Spain? We should find. There a, is a span, the original Spanish. We like should I find a, a really looked up one. that one, and yeah. So there's all kinds of versions, but I will. And I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody watching this has Google. So and we, I will share a virgin version, a non-alcoholic version, to have with your family. That if you would rather have a yeah, a virgin version. There we go. Um, the book recommendations this month, month, podcast, sorry. Episode. Episode um, are the Strong Women in Literature, and I've outlined them as well on my website. Um, Anne of Green Gables, Matilda, Madeline, Little House on the Prairie, Jane Eyre, Pride and Prejudice, Little Women, The Chronicles of Narnia, Outlander, Charlotte's Web, and Harry Potter all have very strong female leads, female um, or characters, characters leads, in there. Yeah. They're not all leads, but um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to highlight that. And if you want to have a look at some of them, just um, pop onto the website, and I've put little, I've put pictures and things with them as inspirational under books I've read. So mm-hmm. that, and then the podcast recommendation. I really want to encourage everyone to listen to the Seth Godin podcast on status. And I'll put the, we'll put the link in the, on the blog. On the blog, because it is, I'll put it under inspirations on the website, yeah. because it is, it, I, I would just like to encourage every single person to listen to it on. Just to think through what decisions we each make based on status. Mm-hmm. So you'd be surprised. And then uh, as far as the website is concerned, I'm um, along with the pod with the episode link that I'm posting for um, Podbean. I'm also posting our link to YouTube because we've been like filming, even though like this is summer sunglasses out on the deck, pool hair, pool hair. We don't care. Um, We're just um, thinking that. Some people really do like the YouTube and the best and the good thing about YouTube is if you don't want to watch the thing, you don't have to. No, you can you just have it on in the background. On in the background. But there's so many ways 
that you can latch on to our... Um, you won't see our facial expressions if you don't watch. No, and it's kind of fun, I think. Um, and as well with the website, I am going to just soon be posting that crochet pattern that yep. I did. And I'm always posting recipes. You'll have to model it. Yeah, I will. I'll put a picture on. And um, I'm always posting. And then I've been posting a few inspirational like lists and ideas and things like that as well. So pop onto the website and um, that's another place where you can find all the uh, episodes and things. So on with the show. What do you want for your child when you send them to school? So I think for me, one of the most um, life-changing kinds of things is the idea of values, purpose, mi vision, mission, and to know what your family wants for their children. I mean, I think we did this, but not formally when our kids were heading to school. Well, we had kind of done that uh, Frank Covey mm -hmm. book, and we had developed a family mission statement. statement and so has we your... Had, we had talked about yeah, that. Yeah, and, well. and I, I guess my question becomes, and has your family ad, like talked about or identified the top three to five values that you live by. So um, is kindness, like I, I read a book recently, um, that one that you got me. Oh, Professional Troublemaker. Professional Troublemaker, which sounds whatever, but it's actually a very good story. But she talks about the difference between being nice and being kind. Mm. And kindness is just I, I mean, one of our family values for sure was just kindness, like, um, you know, thinking of doing things for other people that are kind, but not letting them like take advantage of you and not just being identified as nice. So, I mean, whatever they are, I mean, if you want to Google a list of values, there's like hundreds of them to choose mm -hmm. from. But is honesty a value in your family? Like, so when you send your kids off to school, do they know like three to five things that you as a family value that you want them to also be like when they're yeah. in school, yeah. right? Cause that, that's the connection. And has your family also talked about the purpose that you fulfill as a unit? Like, what is it that you and what I don't... we contribute to the world? Yes. How you make the world a better place and what are some of the things that you do so that your kids enter school, you know, with kind of that set in their minds. And I don't care if they're four or three or whatever. They can understand kindness, tell the truth, and, and do your best. Like, that. those are yeah, not... Those are pretty standard. But, mm -hmm. I mean... And yeah, so I mean, I think these are the things that you need to talk about um, as a family. And then what is your vision for your children as they grow? And that is a really important thing to get your head around because, you know, we are both attended university, but as we watched our kids grow, we knew that our younger one, that would not be a thing for him because he's a he's a hands-on different kind of a different thinker different thinker type of learning and would probably choose a different type of career path but we met a lot of people plus being a college teacher i see so many university graduates coming back for postgraduate certificates and diplomas at the college level because university isn't practical enough anymore for many employers so yeah, so, but I mean, we just, it wasn't really much of a mindset adjustment for us because we just wanted our kids to pursue something that they were passionate about. But something that they could, we taught early on the difference between a hobby and being passionate about a hobby and making money from that versus, you know, working hard at something that you fall in love with working well, our kids were in both involved doing. in theater at high yeah. in high school, but we didn't encourage that. Well, we researched. We what, researched and what told them actors what actors in our current climate, well, pre-COVID, 
were earning and living conditions and stuff like that. We researched it so that they had the facts. And we sent them to somebody who, you know, had tried the life of being a full-time musician or singer or whatever and let them have a talk with them and whatever. So we never discouraged our kids. No, because if they had wanted to live that lifestyle that at that been fine. economic level, then that would be fine. Yeah. So anyway, um, you really have to um, have that open-minded vision for your kids, especially now, because like when I went to university, I became a teacher. I was a teacher for 30-something years. That just doesn't, you're, you not so much. No. Your career path was a little bit more meandering, but. Um, I'm back at teaching. And yeah, but I'm just saying like now kids take short-term contracts and they're always networking and making yeah. connections. And there's and like, there's a lot of, lot to be said for a really grounded entrepreneur path. Uh, not the pyramid scheme entrepreneurs where they kind of take you for a ride, but more no, well-researched ones. Yeah. And um, there's, uh, what's the other one that, oh, micro-credentials are becoming a big thing now too. So you can take courses and get diplomas and certificates in specific areas. And, you know, like if you wanted to be appliance repair person, you could take your electrician, but then you could also take all these other yeah. things and then you'd be set. Well, like the one guy that came and installed yeah. our, 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 dryer. our dryer and we were kind of trying to encourage Seb Sebastian to um, Do look trade. at a trades, but unfortunately math instruction was not done extremely well in the school he went to. So, so and this is one thing we did not research well enough is, you know, if somebody goes into the trades, what skills do they need out of high school when math was one? But we yeah. didn't realize how much math was going to matter, so... So that was, yeah. so just putting it out there, have, have somewhat of an open-minded vision for your kids so that when they get to the end of high school, there are a lot of doors open to them. And uh, I think we probably would have done that a big a bit differently had we been a little, I think a little so. bit. A little bit. We were certainly not like um, some families that we were friends with who literally were pigeonholing their kids into a university um, Regardless. pathway yeah. regardless of what their strengths were and mostly for status reasons and a lot of statusy like kind of universities types of environments but yeah. we n at no time um felt like i was would have been perfectly happy if zachary had gone to brock and sebastian did go to niagara here and where we live and he had no student loan debt when he finished school and you know yep. so you know, but whatever their dream is, like you just gotta kind of have the find the pathway for them. But, and I think kids need a lot of support now to do yep. that. I think they need a lot of you need to spend a lot of time talking and supporting. So, you know, and and creating a family mission statement is can be kind of fun. In this family, we blah 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 and whatever it yep. is. So, and then modifying it every few years, like just re yeah. revisiting it. Yeah. Or um, months, even. Or months, yeah, depending on the age. Yeah. So, in my mind, if that's how you prepare yourself uh, to be a family, then when you visit your child's school, they should be able to identify their values, their purpose, their vision, their mission. And I know that they do that corporately, like, at you the know, the board, at the district, at the district or board level, level, yeah. But... I think it's really important that when you talk to the teacher or even other kids at the school, that they have an idea of what does this school value? What is the purpose? What's the vision? What's the mission? And of course, the mission should probably be displayed somewhere. Yep. You know, so, I mean, that is one thing, you know, to look for. You want the same things that you've spent time investing in at home you actually want them to be partnered with once you get your child to school. And then that um, leads me into the idea of short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals, which... For school? For school. I mean, we have them at home for yeah. little kids. You know, you say, oh, I want you to, you know, 
when you potty train your kids, when you teach them to tie their shoes or ride a bike or all that sort of thing, when you start putting chore charts on the refrigerator, like all those kinds of things are short term, long term and, you know, medium term kinds of goals for your kids. But you should be able to go to school and ask your principal or your child's teachers what they have outlined as their short term, medium term and long term goals. And questions are the only way to truly understand someone else. Mm -hmm. So if someone is feeling threatened by the questions, then that's... That should be a red flag. That's an early indication that maybe things are a bit chaotic within that school environment or that classroom. If they can't just identify, you know, short term, you know, we want to build a community and da 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 and medium term and long term. These are some goals that we'll be working on throughout the year. And I mean, that should not be... And within the subject areas. You know, and and I think it's also important for you to share your family's short term and medium term and long term goals Mm -hmm. for your child throughout the school year. And please don't make it getting A's. No. Because that is like, I have had teacher people come in. My child is capable of getting straight A's and that's my goal for them this year. Well, then they struggle with a concept or something happens or they don't quite. And then the, the parent is at your doorstep saying, how can my kid get an A, blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, there's where your values and your, you know, that's where that comes in. I'm not saying that achieving and I had lots of children who were achieving C's and I pulled them in for a conference and said excuse me but you are an A plus student what's going on like I knew my kids so yeah and parents are the expert you're the experts on your kids so but on the other hand if you say that you you feel your child is you know strong academically I mean, I always wanted to... Well, dis- there's, there's the imagining that they are or in hoping that they are and knowing that they are. Yes. Not every child is going to be. And every grade is a bit of a discovery, right? Like, yeah. we, you know, our kids struggled with math partially because of the way it was taught in their elementary school. But, you know, it's coming to terms with what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses and how can I help them and... Yeah, and there is pressure right now because if you get a certain, then you get scholarships and there's all that sort of thing. And Zachary was the king of, he figured out which courses to take <laughs> so he could get the best marks, so he could get the scholarship that he wanted to go to university. So there are games to be played. As I would say to my kids, follow, you can't follow your own agenda at school. You have to follow the agenda that's put before you. So... You know, but it's if a balance. There is no, if there is no agenda, that's the red flag for you as a parent. But if you go to your teacher and start talking about short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals for your child, and your only goal is get them getting all A's, I just would encourage you to rethink that. Yeah. So what is the purpose of schooling? And here is my, you know, school is practice for life. School should simulate real life it's our you know for a kid it's their job um however the danger is that school for a long time has been considered by the powers that be to be preparation to work in an industrialized society and that is no longer true especially post-covid so you know it it simulates real life but it and it is their day-to-day job yes I mean, they're not necessarily going to end up in a nine to five job. Well, and I also think that that is where you approach school with some realistic optimism and the idea of teaching your kids to solve problems and not being that helicopter that's there trying to sort things out, but being a bit discerning about what is a problem that I really need to show up at school for. Like in our kids being in school for whatever 13 fif- years 14 years yeah. we went into school maybe three four times mm-hmm. in all that time over something that Pretty, other than like yeah. parent teacher interviews and all that sort no, of but stuff for for like serious outlying problems yeah yeah so um i've been reading a little bit about organizing school for possibility instead of efficiency and i kind of like 
this idea of it's not just about efficiency it's about teaching kids to dream and be contributing members of society and do all the things and you know from what I've been reading is when you want to shift a system which I don't want to get into the fact that I thought that maybe COVID would shift our thinking in education a bit and I'm a bit disappointed that we didn't embrace sort of the online aspect of learning and the like I'm I'm a bit disappointed. Okay, when we're speaking we, we're speaking of the province of Ontario in yes, Canada. Yes. Yeah. You may have a different experience, but um the first step towards actually shifting a system is knowing what it is actually meant to do. So system change requires a a really firm understanding of both the purpose of schooling, why we have it, as well as our aims and goals and vision. And so when you're asking how can you reimagine school without asking why do you have school and oh, you won't get anywhere. You're not going to get anywhere. So um, in a couple of just some interesting um, goals, I would call these for education or aims for education that I read have read um, about interventions can boost success of first year of first generation and minority students in college. Cultivating a growth mindset in mathematics, learning to assimilate benefits of dual immersion programs, examination of education as a popular but inadequate tool for addressing racial inequality in America. So each headline is a different aim for that school and then a different problem for the research and the policy and the teachers to solve. And these four um, are four different things. One's academic achievement, one's social mobility, one's character mindset development, math learning, social cohesion, and social equality. Like that's all wrapped up in, so which are the correct ones? Wow. Right? Like, and that's what, and which ones can they actually achieve? Right. Right? Like which ones are actually achievable for people? Because like, I think one of the issues that has happened is that we haven't developed as a society. We've just said, well, the school can do that or the school can, you know, and so therefore... If you are a teacher, you know how every year you've had one more layer of responsibility placed on your shoulders to do one more thing as the teacher. And if school is and just society about... society has downloaded this on the teachers. And and if, if school is just about, um, like... And like knowledge, then why even have it? Because I can look up anything I need to know yeah. and teach Learn. myself. Literally, I can teach myself anything using a YouTube video. Yep. And so, you don't even have to learn how to type it in. You can just say, hey, Google or Alexa and talk. So, um, oh, and Alexa did <laughs> come to talk. Sorry. It Sorry. Just, it did. So this... Um, this reading that I have done actually talks about four distinct purposes for school. So individual possibility, which is like shaping the learning and develop. The dogs have started. Yeah, the dogs <laughs> have started barking. I don't know if they're just walking by. Anyway, we'll see how long this lasts. I don't think they'll lasts. be that long. Um, so individual possibility is like shaping the learning and development of individual students. How do children develop deep content knowledge and the ability to apply it? How do you make sure my child develops a sense of empathy and wonder? So there's that individual possibility. And then there's the social possibility or the socialization processes of shaping your collective culture and social norms at all kinds of levels at the community at the national and at the global le level level and how we de develop like our democratic values right. so that's like social possibility but then there's efficiency right which is the classic human capital perspective sustained current social economical and po political institutions yeah that what i was saying before let's keep them so that they can work in industrialized yeah. like in at and like yeah. that idea of how do we make sure our national economy can compete with China's. Right. 
you know. So, yeah. and then there's that individual efficiency is to serve and an individual's own ability to navigate and get a job. How do we make sure every child graduates yeah. from college or university? Can they pass the SAT? Yeah. Can they- so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the interesting, um, you know, um, parts of it. But I, I really wanted to just get down to the part where it talks about, um, I want to skip a little bit, that idea from moving from efficiency to possibility. Because okay. I'd rather be involved in an education system that was full of possibilities and, and thinking um, rather than just individual efficiency. And that is a lot how school is framed now to get this child so they can get a job, so they can... Yes, it's still on the efficiency scale. And even when we talk about social and emotional learning or character development, the underlying question is often, how do we make sure poor children can compete with wealthy children for a limited number of jobs at the top? And that was like race to the top and no child left behind and all those kinds of things. So then our, our obsession with efficiency in school has like some serious I- I implications because it undermines the experience of students and educators in schools. So, and it kind of jeopardizes democracy, right? Because it individualizes everything. So we, the shift for me is out of efficiency frames and into possibility frames when we design schools. So as a parent, visiting a school or visiting a, a classroom for the first time because a kid is going into a new grade. So, well, and so here's the question then. Instead of asking how do we make sure every child goes to college, the question becomes how do we design environments in which students' core needs are met so they're able to learn and grow. Right. So that is a so, possibility environment because you're opening doors who knows what these kids are going to be doing and that was what i found frustrating the job of the kids entering kindergarten now Mm -hmm. what they're going to be doing in 13 years yeah we have no idea right and how do we we've always thought that way and then covid moved it up really fast yeah how do we create experiences that give children opportunities to practice the capabilities mindsets and character they need to be agentive citizens who are able to work with others to make a better world like that's a different way mindset of saying well i want every kid to be able to you know get into college Mm -hmm. like if they were those two things do you not think that they'd be able to get into college yeah yeah so we have to have kind of and this i i sort of talked about in that other um the previous episode episode that I talked about schooling because I said that I think countries need a shared vision of schools that they portray to their if they have like we have provinces or states or whatever you have Mm -hmm. in a country so if you answer questions about school using possibilities because they're about how we do school and it's how we experience school that shapes who we are and who we become as individuals and as a society. And that is so true because there are children who are not academically inclined and their experience of school sometimes leads them to sit in a basement for the rest of their life. Yeah. Because they have never been introduced to the possibilities. In fact, they've been shamed mm-hmm. by their lack of academic. Right. When in fact, and I, I'm going to speak to this just from our own two. Yeah. Right? Zachary, very academic, a writer, da, 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 da. We won't go get into math, but whatever. <laughs> but Sebastian, not a reader, not a writer, like in the same way. No. Nope. But... A thinker, a problem solver, uh, whatever. Yeah. But was and shamed, a leader. Yeah, was often felt um, yeah. put down, mm-hmm. backed into a corner, put in a box, like as far as school. And silenced. 
So if you think of the 10,000 hours of practice rule from Malcolm Gladwell, right, from mm -hmm. what we practice in school, who we practice being and how we practice being together makes us experts in the way of being or the, over the course of 14,000 plus hours. Wow. So then the questions become, are we practicing being the people and communities that we want to be? Who do we want to become and what community do we want to create together? So if you are looking at a school and you want to know something about that school, what kind of a community are they? Not just within themselves, but within their community at large and within the world and whatever, mm -hmm. like within the country, within the Like world. I know some parents in Ontario can go and look at the scoring system for the standardized testing yeah. and they choose their school based on whether they, how they rank in that scoring. Well, you've got to know that at times there are shortcuts that People taken. cheat. I know for yeah, a fact that, that people, people cheat, cheat. That teachers cheat to make their schools look better. That principals cheat. Like, it it doesn't really matter. Because of this pressure for status and these A grades, that has taken what could be useful data and skewed it. And so if you know where you want to go as a family, then you want to push your school to be the kind of school that... Um, pushes children to define the kind of society that we have in mind that that matches our values and what are our Canadian values like this mm -hmm. should this should not be difficult for people you know in edu in you know like um, in government to say okay our Canadian values are this this is where we see yeah. This is where edu this is our kind of our vision for education. So, I mean, a lot of the issues around like I know uh, parents also picking new schools like try to get the scoop on how much bullying there is and how bullying is dealt with. Well, if you don't just focus on bullying but focus on the deeper issues of community building, mm -hmm. a lot and of that And I'm going to say that a strong light. functioning community within a school means that weaker teachers are being supported, supported by administration or by stronger or co -teachers, teachers or yeah. co-teachers there's coaching happening that um, one of the biggest things that you can see in a school where there's a sense of community is who runs the school and in my schools kids ran assemblies kids ran milk programs announcements yeah. like and yeah that was a lot of extra work and it would have been easier right but one of the values was volunteerism was mm -hmm. espoused by the school community so and there were always lots and but lots volunteerism and lots of amongst kids needs adults involvement yeah. and engagement well and there were always lots and lots of um parents in my schools too right with but kids but we know that some parents have gone to schools and the parent principals are, are have turned them away from being involved and so, engaged. I mean, I think so, this just gives you a lot of But just so you know, you, in Ontario, you have the right to insist on a parent council and on a volunteer team. Well, it's actually part of the Ed Act that they yes, have to meet. It's, it's legally yeah. uh, built in in Ontario. So given all that, then how do you find out what is really happening in your child's school? And I think developing relationship is everything. I think talking to your child is everything. Yep organizing your life so you can read everything that is produced by the school and the classroom whether that's online or whatever and if you're mm -hmm. getting nothing that's an indication that there's an issue right mm -hmm. absolutely checking in with both your child and your child's teacher is huge not every day but oh. at least having a way and I mean now there should be no trouble every teacher should have like a blog or a website or in our school district, it was Desire to Learn, a platform that they are sharing what's going on in the classroom. I mean, that is so easy now in this mm -hmm. age of technology. And I think the other thing about it is knowing the schedule of what is happening at school and in the classroom is, yeah. is huge as well. And then the idea of how do you communicate your child's needs to the school and We've, we touched on this before. You do know your child best, so you can't be shy about sharing information about your child. And not excuses for behavior, but information about their interests and how they learn and their strengths and their weaknesses. 
and booking a meeting and sharing. I can tell you that some of the best meetings I ever had with parents were, were the ones where we talked about the struggles and the strengths of the child because that meant that we were all looking at the situation from a, a realistic point of view so that when we went to set goals for that child as a unit, as teacher and parents, we were right on target because mm -hmm. we were hitting that kid at their zone of dis proximal development, that sweet spot yeah. where they could actually move forward. So if you go into life with blinders on about your kids, you're going to be... You, you do your child a disservice. You just do your child. Not to be too harsh on one end, but... Well, you don't have to go in belligerent and, no. and you know, everything all aflame. However, if you do leave things till a crisis happens, emotions are going to be high. Mm -hmm. So it's important to set that rapport early and on. And remember, and I used to say that school and home, like people would come in and say, oh, my child can read the newspaper or 75 books or whatever. Yeah. And I would say school and home is apples and oranges, right? When your child is in the classroom, they may be distracted, they may be whatever, and my requirements after they read something are not the same as your requirements after they read something. Right. You don't even really know if they understood what they read unless you sit down and have a conversation with them about it. Right. So you just have to remember school and home are apples and oranges. So they're both fruit and they belong in the same bowl, but they're not the same fruit. One is t different than the other. So I think that the other thing about life right now is that most families are two working parents. There's a lot of or grandparents, a single, parent, a single, single parent. parent, whatever. So there is there are a lot of times when you are just too busy to be. And I personally was, I mean, you did a lot of the school stuff simply because I was in education and it was a little bit awkward because I was a principal in the system. So it, mm -hmm. it had its own whatever. But there were times when we were both working full time or very busy and. But we also made choices to give up certain things ourselves during the key work, key years. Yeah. But so I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't go to the gym for 12 years because I needed to be available at the mornings before school or after school, yeah. even in high school. Yeah. And we had and we just made sacrifices. We just made those kind of sacrifices and figured it out. But how? But open we also had those family values set yes. when they were before school yeah. even started. But there's no. It's never too late to start. No. But how open your child's school or classroom is to volunteers is a huge indication of the type of community that you are in. Yes. But parenting tips. So how busy parents can participate in their child's school. It matters a lot. It is a proven research fact that the m parents who are more involved in their children's education, their children do better at school in many, many, many. Um, it can boost your child's grades. It can encourage better behavior. It, it can foster a positive attitude. Um, it also increases your confidence in the school system and your own social net network and help you feel connected to your community. I mean, we met friends and yeah. people, you know, that our kids went to school and with. And we're still connected and now. And we're still connected to. So um, for when you're working all the time, though, it can just feel like a time-consuming chore at the bottom of a very long to-do list. And it does, But it doesn't mean that you have to be president of the PTA. Um, in fact, lots of schools where I was I encouraged parents that they could volunteer whenever they had time. So, um, and yeah, it was it, it got evenings, different yeah. over the years because, yeah. you know, you had to have a police check or you had to have this or you had to have that. But that was fine. We worked through all those. Those were those are we just called those barriers and we just broke the barriers down so that parents were free to do you have an hour and you are all of a sudden, you know, a free spirit and you've picked up a Starbucks and you want to come in and read with some kids, nobody's going to turn you away. There's always kids. Okay, what about volunteering in your own kid's classroom? Sometimes it worked. Sometimes <laughs> it didn't. And I think you have to be open. And I think if, if you're being honest about who your kid is and how they react to you, 
you would know. But a lot of times... But a lot of helicopter parents aren't aware of that. No, and but um, in a lot of cases, you can ease that problem as a teacher. When I had a parent who wanted to be part of our our community, oftentimes they worked with kids like just out in the hallway yeah. so that their child wasn't impacted as much or, mm -hmm. you know, like there's lots of ways around yeah. that if you're creative. So, but the main thing is um, if you want to get involved but you aren't sure where or how to begin, you stay up to date with what's happening at the school and in the classroom. Because if you're in the loop, you can say, oh, like I had a family, they were very, very busy people. They owned a business, but they were in the loop enough to know that um, we were having a big fair, like a big mm -hmm. um, June um, school fair right. and they donated the bouncy things right and it was a write-off for them on their business but mm -hmm. i don't who cares and mm -hmm. they got a tax receipt for it yeah because in-kind donations in ontario you can have a tax receipt for so that's another thing to keep in your head if you want to donate hot dogs for the barbecue you can actually get a tax receipt for that mm -hmm. so anyway um, make sure you attend those back-to-school events. All kinds of... I tried to have one a month so that parents could be in the, in the school. Mm -hmm. I, we read all the school communications, the flyers, the newsletter, and yeah, sometimes we had to dig them out of the bottom of a backpack, but... Um, and if you're a single parent and you have, a, gra you have a, a grandparent or a sibling or somebody else as part of the child care... Um, make sure that they're in the loop that their email is given to the school as well mm -hmm. for those type of communications yep and, and um i when i was a principal i sent out a a weekly communication to all anybody on the email list and i didn't care who was on that email no. list didn't matter to me well they would either be a guardian or and if they wanted to be off it they could be off it but doing that keeps um it gives you fodder to start conversations with your kid too yeah. about what's going on yeah don't really let your kids say i don't know when you ask them what and they sometimes did all you can do is a one or two hour shift at a concession or you yeah. you might be able to slip in on your lunch and serve some hot dogs or pizza or something but mm -hmm. who cares um like also share your talents i had just started that as a kind of a Talents. The career day things? No. Um. Like, I was trying to get in on the talents that certain parents had, like designing marketing materials or writing grant application or okay. organizing fundraisers or service opportunity or whatever, so that y if you do a little pro bono work for your school, right? right? A career day. Sometimes you, you can just coach a be the main coach for a team while the teacher just kind of manages the kids yeah you know and the i think the main thing is that um parenting is hard but and it it's it's i think it's harder now almost than when when we had our kids in school but you and can still i mean be through active. the course of the next 10 weeks we'll also address the situation of online learning yeah. and stuff like that but, but you maybe you have a day off and you can chaperone a field trip or maybe you all you can do is in the evening you can organize a class party or mm -hmm. you know be a guest reader or something or you know there's something coming up and you can um, make calls for the teacher or do something and don't wait for the teachers to come up with these, these lists of ideas um, no just you know, come in and, you know, give five offers to the, to the teacher and find out if the, if the kids do any rotation and go to other teachers for other subjects like French or, yeah. uh, but that's phys part ed, of like talk knowing, to those teachers too. And, yeah, and knowing and the child's schedule. And I'm telling you, if you call or email any school principal and say, I ha I have this amount of time, I have this skill i have this whatever how can i help anybody who turns you down is crazy because look for I another school never <laughs> i would never have turned down that kind of an offer i had parents that said yeah we i just remember going to the one school and the parent council saying oh no no we organized the whole um fun fair at the end of the year and mm -hmm. and they did they did i mean but I, I started this kind of time 
talents and sort of gifts sort of a, a, a thing at the school where some people had time to, to do and some had these kind of pro bono talents and mm -hmm. some people could just donate things. Yeah. And any of those things are perfectly acceptable. And I think one of the main things that I guess I'm trying to um, get across from all of this, I think, today is that idea of um, asking questions. Ask, ask questions and know what you want yourself as a family before you enter that school and then just keep asking questions to find out where that school is at in becoming the kind of place that you need for your kid. Yeah, and if, I mean, you're not always gonna have resistance. You're gonna have people that are very welcoming and very excited. Well, and, and if I you do have resistance, you have to keep asking. And, and we're not, and the thing is. I just find and found that I had a lot of parents when I was on parent council who would come and moan and complain to me or there would be a lot a, a big gossip circle about whatever they were complaining about a teacher or a situation and I said well let's advocate for our kids let's do that oh no 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 we don't want to offend anybody yeah, but well. there's a way to do it that's appropriate mm -hmm. and calm and non-adversarial and well, and I think that we think all of a sudden that schools are have to be these perfect places. And I think as parents, a school is like a, a community. There are things that happen and you just have to deal with them. And as long as everybody remains calm and reasonable, you can yep. work through whatever happens. But my position as a principal is I was, uh, unless I was at a meeting or like completely, now there's a plane gonna land in our backyard, it sounds like. Oh, just wait then. As long as there is, um, you know, breath and reasonableness, you can solve any problem if people will come to the table and help figure it out. But I spent um, the beginning and the end of every day outside on the yard because most of the time, even if I had bus kids, there are a lot of parents that come and pick up their kids at the end of the day. So if the principal is outside, you know, talking to kids or standing or whatever. It was 15 minutes of my day usually, 15 yep. to 20 minutes. And parents would approach me then once they realized that I was out there every day. They would come up and say, oh, I was just wondering about this. And is this, so I saw this and is this okay? Or And it, sometimes it would lead to me actually booking a meeting. Yep. But oftentimes I would just solve it on the spot and say, so the, here's a question opportunity you don't see the principal ever outside on the yard go and ask the question when's a good time to talk to you when can I find you outside on the playground with the kids so that I can you know just pop in and ask a quick question without making an appointment and just and I think there just are, look for yeah. that because every principal has a different style right but, but they should be available. I had an open door policy and I had that with teachers. So when the when the teachers would come by and see my door closed, they would realize I was dealing with something pretty yeah. heavy duty because yeah. I didn't shut the door. Just and I moved my desk. When I first got in there, the desk was like I was behind the desk. I shifted my desk so that I it was so against that you could a turn wall. your chair to So I turned them. my chair, I set up a round table so that we could have discussions in the room. You know, it, it's all optics, but there are some things to look for when you walk in a school. But my, you know, just like I believe that the country needs to have a vision for schooling and a vision for itself, which is sadly lacking, I believe. I believe that you as a family need that stuff and schools need that as well. And also remembering that everything is a process, right? So. We're good enough today. We're working hard at this, 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 and this, but we'll always be better tomorrow. So that's a good place to end. Um, our ne my next one is going to be what to actually look for in your child's classroom. Like what are some things when you walk in the classroom, even if kids there or kids not there or whatever, what are some things that you should see in sort of are you that gonna, are... Are you going to talk about what if they don't see it? Yeah. Okay. Questions. <laughs> and and I'm just talking about what are kind of some best practice 
items that you should definitely be yeah. seeing or or meth or strategies and things that you should right. be seeing in your child's classroom but basically though if you're if you and your family have values and a mission statement and and kind of a vision for your kids learning that will be a good starting place before you even walk into a school yes yes absolutely and then start asking questions and nobody should be upset about a few questions because the only way that we understand each other better is by asking questions that's the only way that we're going to learn about each other so so you guys can ask us questions yeah you can ask me anything and if you have a specific situation with your child or with a school situation you can always um email me or um you know, just put a comment somewhere. I think there's comment spots on YouTube. There's definitely on the website. You can private message me in the, um, like direct message me in the No Room for Phonies Facebook. Yep. Like there's many, many things that you can do. Is your you email want. info at No Room for Phonies? Yep. Okay. Info at No Room no, for Phonies. No, it's not. It's just oh. No Room for Phonies at, at no Gmail. Oh, com. No Room for Phonies. Sorry. Okay. Email yeah. is No Room for four, Phonies with the number four, four at, gmail. at gmail.com. Yeah. But anyway, um, so that's it. What do you want for your child when you send them to school? I think I, I didn't tell you exactly what you wanted, but I gave you some ways to find out and to think about as, you know, as you enter into summer and you think, okay, school at least around here is going to probably start in person again in September. No. Give it some thought. And if you need to spend well, And you don't even have to read the book, but if you look up seven habits of efficient families. Highly effective. Highly, well, there's highly effective people, families. Like yeah. There's a whole bunch of titles. So You can, um, you can probably find a pretty good list. Yeah. And, I mean, all you have to do these days is Google how to create a family mission statement. Yeah. There's like gazillions of ways. So maybe that's what you need to do over the summer is, you know, when you're having a little campfire or out on the, you know, swim, like whatever it is that you do as a family in the summer to relax. And sometimes for families, they work all summer. Like we forget that as teachers, we get a lot of time off, but most families do not. So, um, you know, there's a, you, there's a lot of pressure on people. So if you spend a bit of time kind of thinking about your own family mission and where you're going with your kids, I think that will be a better start to the year. And then when you think of a question that you want to ask the school, write it down. Yep. And then you'll be ready. So what do you want for your child when you send them to school? I guess that was a, a, a good way to start. And... Uh, Thank you for joining us today for our little um, discussion and I hope that the education series becomes helpful to people and that I actually get some questions. I'd love to have some questions. It would be nice. Free consultation is what you would get, so that's not bad. So, thanks for joining us today on No Room for Phonies. What do you want for your child when you send them to school?